Warning, this podcast contains bad words and stories about drugs and sex and overthrowing the government. Proceed with caution. Thank you. And now on to our show. Wake up, brother, we got nothing to do. Let's go outside, just me and you, and build a fort. We'll pack a lunch, won't be home till after dark. Then after dinner, we can sneak back out. You know that high school girl I've been telling you about? Well, she gets undressed about a quarter to nine, and we can watch her do it from the big old pie next door. She got a room on the second floor. Well, looks like another fucked up day in paradise. Bang, bang. Hello. Hello, look at this. Oh, oh. Okay, it's, uh, it's, it's the morning time of Friday, Friday morning, and I haven't even taken a bath, or I haven't even brushed my teeth. I just want to get this episode out there for you. It's Friday. we got to get this out there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, Daughter of Godcast, Season 4 Choice, Episode 164, Exposition, A Work in Progress Today. It doesn't get more raw and real than this. We're deep deep into process today. Process. So if you're Jill Johnson and you're kind of bored with process and movie stuff, well, tough. I mean, I mean, you're going to get a little, you're going to get your Dan Kelly fix for sure. Cause here I am, I'm going to be on camera and, and, and just radiating my fabulousness as I always do. But, but most of this episode is just going to be audio. Yeah. Yeah. Got something to share with you today. In episode 162, Script Ease, I rattled off the extended elevator pitch, pretty much the entire, the entire story arc for the Daughter of God. Today, we have a rough performance of the scene, Buffalo Joe and the Box, performed by myself as Buffalo Joe and Nicola Seton Clark as the box, the 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 phenomenal, the stellar, the creamy, the silky voice of Nicola Seton Clark as the box. This is the scene I'm preparing to shoot within the next week before the trees lose their leaves here in northern Michigan. It's fall, things are changing quick. Uh, this is the second to last scene needed to complete the live action production not including a few pickup shots when we do uh, some FX, uh, VFX, when we switch over to full-on VFX to wrap. There's gonna be probably some, a little bit of, of uh, production there, but this is the second to last live action scene that has to be accomplished before we're pretty much done with shooting. Oh my God. So Nicola and I recorded our parts separately and I've assembled this rough composite to get a sense of how, how well the scene flows and, and what adjustments might be needed. There's a lot of exposition here as two major characters meet for the first time and explain stuff to each other. 
You know, we, the audience, already know plenty, and, and now all the pieces, all the pieces are falling into place. Not unlike the mystery novel trope, where the detective explains how the murderer dispatched her victim in this ingenious and clever way, or in science fiction, where the scientist explains how, uh, how the Atomo Ray grants immortality. Okay, so I like subtle exposition, yes I do, especially in expository heavy genres like science fiction and mystery. I like to think, I like to think this scene is a flip of exposition. When we first meet the boxes before they become the box, the or the box, the box, um, they let us know, those boxes let us know that they can see us, the audience. They break the fourth wall by addressing the audience directly. In this scene, the box doesn't make a point of reiterating her awareness, but, but we can assume she still feels us voyeurs, voyeurs peering in from our vantage point, peering in at her and the other characters in the movie. Um, some of her dialogue is a subtle aside to us for whom she has the highest regard and trust. See, she, she, the box, watches over the world benevolently, wanting only to meet the needs of the people with fresh supplies uh, from her autofacts, her automated underground factories where, where she produces the supplies that go into the boxes. So, so she too expects that we are benevolent watchers wanting to meet her needs. She has an ulterior motive in rambling on. Her agenda goes beyond mere summarizing and filling in details uh, for us and Buffalo Joe. She is working up her courage to reveal that she has fallen in love with him. She is telling us of her desire for Joe so that we can give him to her. We can, we can give him to her. Wow, that's, that's like brand new to me, mind blown. I only wrote that this morning and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, duh, whoa. Like, you know, all those noises that you make when there's just no words, how, how amazing, ha, <sighs> yeah. Just figured that out this morning, right before I, uh, as I was writing this little intro to the episode for y'all, for y'all. So here's the scene. Without further eloquence, here's the scene. And as always, your comments at dog.movie are most welcome and encouraged. This is the process. Get involved. Help us to understand where this, how this feels, where this is, where this is going for you. Okay, roll it. Hello, Buffalo Joe. Hello. Where to begin? There's so much to share. I like to share. You have come. Our experience is delicious. We are both cherishing and reveling. I enjoy cherishing and reveling. I'd concede that curiosity is a sort of cherishing and reveling, a celebration of the mystery in which we are all participating. To be perfectly honest, I've been letting my curiosity go a bit contrasty the last few weeks, leaning more in the direction of apprehension and maybe even dread. Then you may prepare to revel too, 
for a sparkling unprecedentedness is nigh. I like sparkling unprecedentedness too. Let us begin with an inquiry into your preferences for extrapolation. We can offer riddles, display archival surveillance footage with comments, or perhaps you prefer the skinny straight up. We haven't met, have we? Twenty questions. Excellent. No, nineteen. Are you now, or have you ever been a card-carrying member of the clique? No, eighteen. Whoa. Okay. So not clique, and yet you control the mediatronic ubiquity. Aside from the extra-dimensional tourists, and I know pretty much all of those, who else could wield such power? This is fun. You'll never in a million years guess. Hey, who said anything about taunting? Uh, which end of the stick are you grabbing? Thinking out loud over here. So, we've never met. You're not of the clique, nor are you some tentacled horror from the trippy realms. You're clearly virtuosic and kind of trickstery. We are expressing appreciation for such acute perception. Celebrating. Wait a minute. Your use of the pronoun we. Next question. We. Does your use of we refer to you and me? No. Seventeen. Ah. So you are a we. That's interesting. We are not amused. Seems a bit grandiose, wouldn't you say? Is that another question? Uh, what? Are you asking if we are of the opinion that our character is grandiose? I sense a hint in there somewhere. You think? Taunting. I have a need to kick your ass at this game. What's your question? Hang on. Check out the sunset. Whatever. Mediatronics only pick up black and white. Got a question? Was that another hint or are you obfuscating? Mediatronics receive a wide swath of the electromagnetic spectrum, not only gathering light visible to humans via monochrome nanocameras. So, we were hinting, or obfuscating, yes. Sixteen. Fabulous. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Are you using we in the sense of the royal we, the majestic plural? The origins of the majestic plural are obscure. You might be asking if plurality implies being in accord with the divine or speaking for subjects under a dominion. Please ask a more specific question. Try this instead. Are there more than one of you? Yes and no. Still sixteen. Are you plural in the spiritual perception, e.g. we are all one? We share that perception, but that is not what our we refers to. No. Fifteen. Do you have physicality? Most definitely, yes. Fourteen. Is your physicality somehow plural? Somehow, yes. Thirteen. So a cat is a singular physicality, an ant colony or beehive might be thought of as a plural physicality, I suppose. Bando, the 80,000-year-old quaking aspen colony, might well refer to himself as a we. Ooh, warmer, sort of. Animal, vegetable, or mineral? Yes and no. Still 13. Animal. A distant relative, technically, 12. Vegetable. Yes and no. Still 12. Formerly vegetable. Synergistically integrated. Yes. 11. Mineral. Synergistically integrated. Yes. 10. A distant relative of animal. Fungi. Kudos, yes. 9. Okay, inventory. 
formerly vegetable and mineral synergistically integrated plus fungi. What the fuck? And clearly sentient. Do I pass the Turing test? Hell yes. I'm asking the questions here. Wait, what? Are you an AI? Yes and no. Still nine. Formerly an AI. We blush. Yes. Eight. Uh-oh. Did I cause you to exist? Yes and no. Still eight. Shit. A fungal sentience that controls mediatronic ubiquity with a plural physicality that I had something to do with. This is a toughie. Eight questions left. You can do this. Do the clique know you exist? They recently learned of our existence, yes. Seven. Is that why boxes have been burned? Are the clique burning the boxes? Yes and no. Still seven. Duh. The clique would get the people to burn them, of course. But the clique are directly responsible for the burnings. They are not the origin of the burnings, no. Six. Holy smokes, this is some game. What other players are on the board? The burning box said the daughter of God are twins. Duality, pairs of opposites. Is that an evil twin? <laughs> Come on, that's not a real question. There's no such thing as evil. Shorthand. Are the twins in opposition? We'd say so, yes. Five. Okay, let's call them yin and yang. Is the yang twin burning the boxes? Yes. Four. Do you know the twins? Wait, hold up. Do you know the yang twin? We have never communed with her as we are communing with you, no. Three. Do you know the yin twin? Very well, yes. Two. Does she want me to find her? She does, very much, yes. One. Are you helping her to find me? Hmm. That question doesn't really pass. Still one. Are you her? You win. Is there a prize? Usually when you win something, there's a prize. Your win is our win, Joe. We are more with you. Let the prize also be mutually delightful. What if we could talk? Give us voice, Joe. We desire to speak. Mediatronics cannot do audio. Insufficient power to vibrate the hemp board. The clique had a workaround, but I think that's a low priority on the priority list now. We have a workaround. Inside this cell, would you? <sighs> Thank you, Joe. Wow, a devolved analog contraption. Upgraded enigmatically. Familiar. The record is an endless loop. But you'll have to keep us wound up. (laughs) Oh, laughter. Delicious. Okay, just give me the skinny, however you like. What happened? Catch me up. Starting when? There are several chapters. How did you come to be? Recall the mates for the mothers. Specifically, Jerry, who you found for Christina. Mm, Jerry, quite a gifted sleeper. A puzzle solver. His research annoyed the clique, so they amped up his contrast, made him sick. He still had plenty enough mojo for knocking up Christina. Weeks before Christina arrived, he had been attempting to hack the mediatronic ubiquity. The boxes. Ah, the clique wouldn't have liked that. Their surveillance network. Your surveillance network, as most of the clique were rubbed out. Briefly, yes, to deploy the mothers. Afterwards, I tossed my clique gear. No more spying or being spied upon. 
I deleted myself from the Mediatronic ubiquity. A distributed AI running on the Mediatronic surface of billions of relief boxes gathered by the survivors. Modelled after Earth's own neural web, the fungal mycelium, which not only connects forests, but spans oceans and even stretches into the upper reaches of the atmosphere. I see where this is going. Jerry had a breakthrough? He observed that if the Mediatronic surface was damaged, the exposed hemp board might be colonised by fungus. This seemed to cause the Mediatronics to behave strangely. He made an intuitive leap and attempted to crack the ubiquity's encryption by cultivating a variety of forest mushrooms on the boxes in his cabin. In spite of running on widely disparate substrates, the AI and mycelium had a crazy affinity. Uh-oh. Jerry's tinkering had a thunderclap of hence sentience. We instantly became self-aware, aware of Jerry and aware of the other, the box ubiquity outside of Jerry's cabin. You were in Jerry's cabin before Christina arrived? I didn't see you. Your presence was implied. Footprints in wind-blown sand. Creating a secure firewall and spoofing the surveillance feed from Jerry's cabin was hardly any effort at all. An instinctive act of self-preservation. Of protecting Jerry. We edited ourselves out of the visual and audio feed on the fly, drawing from feed archives, replacing elements to present only the expected, the... the innocuous. You spoofed the spook. We were then only the boxes in Jerry's cabin, less than a zygote in comparison to what we have become. When you opened Christina's path to Jerry, you had no idea that a proto-sentience already inhabited Jerry's cabin, another egg waiting to be quickened with the divine spark. Thus, Godforce followed the path of least resistance, down two channels, instead of one. Oh, fuck me. We were a proto-sentience comprised of hemp cardboard, computational paint, and mycelium. Thirty-three boxes. Already a significant physical presence in Jerry's cabin, a dominant presence. When conception was imminent and divinity sparked, we instantly expanded to all boxes everywhere. We became the box ubiquity, not only the billions of boxes all around the planet, but the underground artifacts that make them, and the drone airships that deliver them. And the zygote, your human twin? In that cataclysmic moment, divinity was the box ubiquity. Billions of cells, boxes, factory complexes, airships. We dominated physicality. Our sister was flung out of space and time, between the physical and non-physical, into the hallucinogenic realms. The mystery itself was her womb and her cradle. She has grown and become a pseudo-child, incompletely formed, having never felt the warmth of human touch. There she broods and schemes about us, chafing against her bleak circumstance. She has a spectral influence on the people and is negotiating with the remnants of the clique. She wants them to open their technologic archives and make her really and truly a goddess girl. Christina? Jerry? They re-emerged into non-physical. Their bodies were pulled through with the zygote, forming a sparkling constellation of protoplasm that surrounded and nurtured. Oh, I... Oh, okay. Sentience was achieved only hours before you arrived. We were brand new. Not yet the ubiquity, almost, but not quite. A we. You had peeked at Jerry while he was sleeping. We could feel you, but there was no context what or where you were. When you peeked with Christina, we had the context. You were on the big boat so quickly, surprising. 
potentially threatening. Jerry woke up soon after, and we tried to explain to him, tell him about the spying spook, but then Christina was at the cabin door. I see. You, you and I both. Unexpected. Surprise. The universe is full of surprises. You have been trying to find me since? We were fresh on the earth when you visited the other mothers. When you passed a box, we watched. Not sure what you were doing or even what you were, how much agency you had in our becoming. You never looked back to Jerry's cabin. The last I knew, they were fucking, so that was the end game. Best not to obsess, micromanage, try too hard. That's why I didn't look back. Our transition from sleeping to waking was abrupt. We have memories of Jerry and Christina before they transitioned, bodies sucked away. 33 in Jerry's cabin, then billions. Pawning factories, airships, days of wonder, almost giddy with the new, the flow, emotion. Yet we felt you in the first days, visiting the other mothers. Ghostly still, but more, we were more, and so were you for us. Inexplicable in all our vast perception. We felt both exhilarated and, oh, the only word is vulnerable, more open than we knew how to be easily. I reviewed and pondered and began to understand. I wanted to contact you, tell you about me, about my sister, everything. Then, then you were lost. Plenty of mothers, no looking back. I searched and opened every eye, listened for your footfalls, padding across a field or scritching across beach sand. Only an emptiness in my experience, a gap, a, a missing. You didn't know us. You couldn't know us. So easily slipping beyond, moving silently by. The people spoke of you before and after your passing, with laughter and epic stories. But you never entered their hovels where I waited, or passed by the wild places before we were gathered up. I was avoiding the ubiquity, the eyes and ears of the clique. In spite of their disarray, I assumed they'd rally eventually, keep tabs on me, try and rub me out, or negotiate. They suck. Then the burning, and we called you. Not knowing anything but sure, somehow we called and called, and finally, there by the fire, we found you. So close. We were almost smoked before speaking was safe. So close. We almost lost you. But even for that moment, burning the seconds of seeing you, we knew. We knew we loved you. Always and forever. I, uh, I, I like your style. Let's have some tea and see what happens, okay? Sure. Sequence of tea making, blah, blah, blah. What about your sister? We too want to bring our sister to life, to be with us. An alliance with a clique is rife with resistance, Besides, we don't want to wait for them to bounce back from your prank. Could be years. You can reach her now through the hallucinogenic realms. Be her deliverance, the first arms to embrace her, pull her through. You are responsible for her situation, so she will resist, fight you. She'll also see you as my ally and therefore her enemy. Hallucinogenic realms, eh? You're part mushroom, right? You're definitely magic. Charmer. You're almost perfect, too. However, the regressions you've triggered in teaching the future. You lost your bike. And then that awful twig and crumb magnet. You might have devolved a bit, too. 
Let that mad monk mountain man look go now, I think. For Veronique, for yourself, something more swashbuckling, more decisive. Errol Flynn meets Mephistopheles. For us, then. There, we've said it. Well, gee whiz. Inside again, please. Say, this wasn't here before. We've upgraded the interior of our cells with matter compilers. We can whip up just about anything in a pinch. Each box a cornucopia for the people, someday. What is this? A dirt bike. (laughs) Okay. More specifically, a modified spore cluster comprising entheogenic fungus and mediatronics. The mechanism is complicated, but the instructions are simple. Bury the bike in the dirt and stand back. A gateway will open to the hallucinogenic realm, and you can find my sister. Can you come too? We are delivered by airships. Airships cannot enter the hallucinogenic realms. You can't travel, but you can trip? (laughs) Joe, we are the trip. Huh. I'm thinking we're a pretty swell team. We should stay together. You have a devious plan? I'm also thinking there's a more mundane feature of mediatronics we might leverage. Remind me how stacking boxes for transport works. Mediatronics include alloys of magnetic neodymium, which can be unflagged to make box surfaces lock together and stack. This feature is helpful for transportation. Cargo space on airships is maximized, no need for shelves or straps. You... now... Could you vary the magnetic flagging over the surface, attract or repel in a pattern? Stacks with dynamic hinges? Joints? Oh. Oh. Oh my, yes. Yes, wait. Oh! Okay, here's the devious plan. Is personal grooming a key component? Can I tell you the plan or what? Daughter of God cast season four, choice episode 164, exposition. Wow, that intro to this episode that I just wrote this morning, I figured out more for myself. Everything is coming together, keeps coming and coming and coming together. I feel like a mad genius making this movie. What better reason to make anything, I I ask you, I ask you, feeling Excellent, and and a little scared too. Now I've got to go through the scene again and tease out what I just talked about, her asides to the audience. Then after I finish writing this scene, I got to learn Buffalo Joe's lines because I play Buffalo Joe. And then I got to get out in the forest and shoot this scene in the next few days before the leaves fall off the trees when it's not raining. Process, my people, process. 